episode 22, the main event podcast. Man, let's get it. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Welcome back to another episode of the main event. It's your homeboy Jermaine Parker back with another week of exciting podcasting fury. I don't know what you call it, but I call it something special. Slap your mama, the ribs is on. I don't even know what the hell that means. Hey, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I need you to go over to my website, www.themaineventpodcast.com. Man, you can catch up because you're a little bit behind. This is episode 22 of the podcast. Look, I'm on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Did you know that you could actually ask Alexa? I want to hear the main event podcast and she'll play it for you. Man, I ain't lying to you. You can easily have the, uh, if you got an Apple watch, the podcast app is on your watch. There is no reason you shouldn't be listening to this podcast and telling your friends about it. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to check out the podcast. I want you to like it, subscribe and share. Share something that's good. Just don't keep it to yourself. Hey man. So we're back for another week of the podcast and this week I've got another guest this time. It's my brother from the same mother. It's actually my big brother, Brian Parker. He's joining us live from New York City. My big brother has been in uh, the hotel motel industry for over 27 years, 25 of those years in management. Uh, he's currently, like I say, living in New York, and he's gotten into the acting game. And, man, I just want to talk to him about how did he get into that. But first of all, first of all, man, welcome to the show, Brian. Tell the people what's up. What's going on out there? Y'all hear me all right? Yeah, man, we got you. We got you, man. You live and direct. That's what's up. Hey, first, first of all, after we get off, I'm going to have to hit up this Alexa thing because I mess with her all the time. And I didn't know you can make her do that. So Yeah, Every man. I find out something else I can make her do. Yeah, ask Alexa to uh, hit you up with this main event. That's what's up. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. All right. Now, what's going on out there? Man, I am still in wonderful Altus, Oklahoma. I am in my uh, last week of training out here, last full week of training yeah. out here. So, yeah, about to head back to the Queen City. So, uh, time, to go. time to go. Yeah, it's time to go. It's time to go. It's been nice and everything, but it's time to go and stuff. Man, like I said, thanks for uh, spending the time with me and stuff and uh, coming on the podcast. Um, you know what? You know Hey, you know, but the first thing I want to get into with you, because uh-huh. it just kind of intrigues me, because you're my big bro, and, you yeah. know, and, you know, I, I, obviously, I've known this man all my life, and uh, so... I'm, I'm, I'm big by age only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that part. But, no, seriously, so you're in New York City now, and you're acting. Uh-huh. 
Now the, we're gonna get yeah. into we're gonna get into the the management uh, part because that's part of the podcast. But I gotta hit up the acting stuff first. Uh-huh. How, how did how did you get into acting, man? <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you know, growing up, we used to always play like we were different characters and stuff. Anyway. Well, I so. mean, that's what you do when you're poor. You ain't got toys. Um. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and what that does is it, even as a kid, it makes you tap into that creative part of your mind where at any given time you can be uh, this person, that person. And, you know, I, you know. I didn't realize it then, but we were in character before I even knew what in character really meant. Uh-huh. So, so, you know, but, you know, life takes over. You got responsibilities. You got, you know, things that, you got to do, and you know, quite frankly, the phrase uh, "starving actors" or "artists" is true. <laughs> so I like to eat too much. So that wasn't something that I was going to entertain on a serious level because, you know, it would mean me having to commit to that, and you know, have to figure out how to pay bills and stuff. So I kind of put that on the back burner. Thought it'd be a nice idea, you know, if I had a another life and everything. Mm-hmm. And, Honestly, after uh, two marriages and, uh, you know, doing the same occupation for over 20 years, you know, I always felt like I wanted to do it, but thinking about the opportunities and whatnot, you know, when the opportunity came for me to move to New York, you know, I really had to think about it. I said to myself, you know, look, if that's something that you really want to do, you don't really have any more excuses because... There are so many opportunities in New York when it comes to acting that you can't really run that whole excuse anymore of, you know, it's just, you know, not feasible to do it because it's literally in your backyard now. So Okay. Okay. So I kinda then, just decided I kinda decided I was gonna do it. Yeah. Didn't know didn't know what to do. That you know, that's always the funniest thing with doing anything with is once you decide to do it, then you gotta figure out, okay, now what? So what, what were those? What were those steps for you? So, you uh, there was something that you had an interest in, and like a lot of people, you had to pay your bills, and so now you find yeah. yourself with an opportunity with lots of opportunities because you're in New York, um, uh-huh. and you've got your spare time and stuff, and you say, "Hey, I want to do this acting thing, but I don't know what to do." So, what did you yeah. do? Well, what I did was there's so much kinds of acting, and the one question that I didn't really know and still don't really to a, to a point is what do I really want to gravitate more towards because you know you've got everything from uh, theater mm-hmm. sketch comedy uh, there's background action there's commercials there's print modeling yeah. there's um, web series there's independence there's student films there's voiceover work all of those things fall into the realm of acting. So it was like, well, do you want to focus on one thing or do you want to kind of put your hands in a little bit of everything and see what you like the most? And it was the latter. And I still really didn't know, well, you know, what should I do? There's so many um, websites out there that uh, that will, it's kind of like a classified for acting jobs. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you, you pay like a monthly or yearly subscription and you're able to access um, the different uh, gigs that come up. Uh, some of them will actually email them to you as they come up. 
uh, and trying to research to figure out, well, let me make sure this one isn't a scam. Yeah, exactly. How do you, like how do, you that. do that? Man, I'm going to tell you, what I actually ended up doing, because the more answers I had, the more questions I had. Exactly. So I was like, okay, I got to get some direction on this, or I'm just going to keep spinning around in a circle. So I actually went on my first acting job, which was a background for a feature film. It hasn't come out yet, but it's supposed to be coming out pretty soon. And I got that gig actually by going on the Craigslist and saw that they had advertised for, you know, background. I was like, okay, let me see what this is about. So it was actually uh, a casting call where I went in. Well, well, basically, they want you to send in some pictures. They, the casting directors want to see what you would like to see if you look the part for whatever role they cast in. So, mm-hmm. you know, I go, I go to this diner in Manhattan at, you know, 9 o'clock at night. They're doing this uh, filming for a show, for a film on me. And, I mean, I'm there all night long. I had a blast. Um, it wasn't a whole lot. Just basically, you sit, I was sitting in a diner with, you know, another person in front of me, and we were basically having a conversation, and the main actors were a couple of uh, seats in front of us, and we basically ate food for free. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and basically we had a conversation, and then when it was time to uh, actually, uh, the cameras rolling and everything, we just started a conversation where we just had to, you know, keep it down so that the mics didn't pick up you know, too much of the background noise. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was funny because I loved it. And in between the takes and the breaks, because, you know, the actors and the unions, and I know we'll talk about that at some point, um, they have to have mandatory breaks and things like that. So some of the other people that were there doing the background, you know, I started asking questions. You know, that's, that's the one thing that you have to realize. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can always learn something. Okay. So, you know, I'll be 45 this year, and I definitely don't know everything. So I stepped out to do this, and the best way for me to figure out what do I want to do next was to start asking people that have done it. You know, not try to recreate the wheel, but try to figure out, hey, if we've already tried this and it didn't work out, why am I going to do that just to find the same thing? Yeah, exactly. So I would kind of listen to what some of the other folks that have done that had done it longer like, yeah, I saw that website. Is that a really good site? You know, what's the benefit of that site versus, you know, this other site and things like that? And, you know, do I need an agent? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Um, so um, I was able to get a lot of good information. It, when I came home, I did some more research. Um, did find a site that I was pretty uh, comfortable with. Uh, signed on to that site, registered everything else. Uh, didn't, the one thing that was holding me back was I didn't have a lot of pictures. Or the pictures that I had were not ones that I would put on a casting site to say, hey, take me seriously because you just saw me, you know, doing duck lips with my tongue out or something crazy. So um, <laughs> I, I knew at some point I was going to have to get some professional pictures. I ended up doing that. got that put on, my, uh, on the casting site. And it was cool because the casting site then um, would let you know um, all of the different shows. Man, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I, and, I, and I'm going to miss some, but I just got to be a to tell your audience. You don't realize how many network shows 
get filmed in New York City. I mean, there were so many that would come in front of me, I couldn't even entertain them all. Anything from Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, The Defenders, Iron Fist, Blue Bloods, Gotham, Shades of Blue, Orange is the New Black. Now, you've been in... Uh, Ray Donovan. What, 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 what I mean, have, it what, on and on and on. What, ha, what have you been in? Man, I've been in Luke Cage three times. Jessica Jones once. Um, I've been in Madam Secretary three times. Uh, which, which was crazy because the first time on Madam Secretary, um, you know, I would tell everybody this funny story while um, the first time I was on Madam Secretary, uh, they took Fordham University in uh, uh, Upper Manhattan and turned it into the UN. And I was actually playing the role of the ambassador to the Congo. So we're at a reception at Fordham University, aka the UN, and we're all getting out of our limousines and going down the red carpet. And then we're at this gala. But one of the craziest things was at the gala, you know, we're all standing around talking, cutting it up before they start filming. And I said, damn, somebody is doing one hell of a Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I was just like, man, this dude, man, I got to tell you, I said, this guy, man, it was Morgan Freeman. Wow. <laughs> and listen, I don't care. You know how cool you are. <laughs> when you all you know about a lot of people is the fact that you see them on TV. The first time you see them like that, I mean, if you don't pause, hesitate, uh, almost felt like you just lost your stuff, then something wrong with you. <laughs> when I saw Morgan Freeman, I'm sitting there thinking about my first man, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> I was like, man, this did, was did, wow. did you, did you speak to him? They, 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 they weren't thinking about something. They are like, oh, my God, it's God. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, God, you know. Did you, I, I, I know what they're talking about. You know, did, you, did you get to speak to uh, Mr. Freeman? Yes, briefly. You know, the, the one thing that they try to discourage you as background people is you're going to be a lot, around a lot of famous people. So try not to disturb them. You know, don't ask them. Don't ask them to take selfies and stuff like that because they're when they're there, they got their lines memorized and they're trying to make sure that they're in character and you know all of that kind of takes away from it is what they tell you. But it's funny because some of them are so cool and down to earth that um, uh, you wouldn't believe that. Like I was on an episode of Bull. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of his name. The, the, the Star Bull. Um, I, I can't think of his name right now. It's Michael something. But he is so crazy and cool that I mean, in between takes, he's the main one goofing out with the rest of the cast and everything. So it's kind of hard to believe that um, <laughs> he, he have a problem jumping back into character. I don't even know if he has to be in character because it seems so much like him. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I've been a man secretary. I, I did Luke Cage, a couple of the scenes. Uh, Marvel was really, really big. Of course, now they canceled all the Marvel shows because Disney took their own uh, streaming service, so yeah. they didn't really need Netflix anymore. But um, man, I was on a season of uh, 
of, uh, oh, they called it Ronald, but it was something that, oh, um, Maniac on Netflix with um, Jonah, uh, what's his name, Jonah, Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill. And Emma Stone. Okay. I was on the, the first episode of that. Um, yeah, man, just just kind of doing a, a lot of the TV shows. I've uh, been doing hey, a lot you, of. You had a reoccurring role on Gotham, didn't you? Man, so last season, season four, um, I ended up. It was funny because you go in, you never know what they're going to have you do, but they. Um, but it was cool because I went in as a one of the crime bosses henchmen. Okay. We were called we were called Samson's men. And it's funny because Samson, if you've ever seen the movie The Best Man, taking everybody back, but if you ever seen The Best Man. Yeah, yeah. When when, when Candy was about to go perform at the bachelor party. And okay. I Candy, I hope. Yeah. Her pimp in the her pimp in the car. <laughs> big big uh, big Riley. Riley, yeah, with Samson, with Samson. So when I saw him, I knew he was like, "Oh my God, this is good for the best man." And he and he was mad cool. But we played as uh, henchmen, and they decided to run with his character a little longer on the show to interweave it into the story. So that meant that his henchman had to come back. So then I get a text. I didn't even apply for it because they didn't post it. They said, "Hey, we need Samson's men back." We need you to come back, and it was so cool because I had to get fitted for wardrobe and stuff like that. So every time I would go in, I would just have to go to wardrobe. Now the difference is is that when you're not in that situation, uh-huh. a lot of times you have to bring your own stuff. Okay. Um, meaning that you may have to carry like three different outfits with you. Normally, you take a little rolling suitcase, but you have to prepare all that stuff just for the wardrobe people to kind of look at it and go, yeah, that works, I like that shirt, I like those shoes, and those kind of things. But when you when you get fitted, you don't even have to worry about what you're going to wear because it's there when you get there. And uh, you have seven different episodes. I was uh, cast as a henchman in the Narrows, which is a downtrodden, poor area of Gotham where a lot of the uh, folks that can't do better for themselves are, and crime runs rapid and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of where the uh, Riddler and Doc Thompsons and some of the other characters would always be. But I got to go into plenty of scenes with uh, Gordon and uh, Penguin. And, you know, it, it was just kind of funny being a, being a part of that. You really feel like when you do that many episodes that you kind of connect. And, I mean, I was a 7 out of 23 of them, so almost a quarter. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that, that's that's just real fun. And, uh, um you know, I, it, it, you know, when uh, we talked about you coming on the podcast and stuff, I was definitely like, yeah, we, we definitely got to talk about this acting thing and how you got into it. So it's kind of funny. So you, you got on the website, uh, you went yeah. to your first place, you started asking people who are already in the business, um, uh-huh. you know, about it and stuff. Uh, you had to get some headshots. <laughs> you did yeah. have to, you know, there's some professional things within the industry standards that you had to conform to. So you got your headshots and stuff. And as, as you as you alluded to, when you go to a lot of this stuff, you got to have your own wardrobe when you start off. You're not just going there getting fitted for stuff. Yeah, especially like when you're doing background. And see, that's the thing. You know, I wanted to see really what background was like. So I'll give you a little bit about background. Um, because background, if you're supposed to be like a lot of the 
um, things that they'll have for background will be New York City pedestrians. Well, what does a New York City pedestrian look like? It looks like a person like you that wears everyday normal clothes. So there's nothing special or spectacular that's supposed to be about you. You're not supposed to stand out. You're supposed to blend in. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't either, that when you're watching shows like Law & Order, another example of a show that films around here, or Power, The Last OG, uh, The Blacklist, I keep thinking about all these because I even film in my neighborhood, which is crazy. Um, but the people that are walking behind the main characters, when you see them walking down the street, and you see people walking in front of them or walking behind them or uh, opening up a newspaper or at the hot dog stand, guess what? Those are all background actors. Okay. You, 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 would, think, you would think they're just filming around people. They're not. They're using the streets in New York, and it, but it's a, really a closed set where if you're walking down the street and that set is open, they're going to make you cross the other side of the street. And only the people that are the background actors are the ones allowed to walk by and cross the uh, principal actors and things like that. So there's some sets where you could have 180 to 200 people that are just strictly background. And yeah. they pay you for this. <laughs> they, just, they, just yeah. say, they say all these people are just basically cross in front of the camera, or you know how a lot of times they focus the camera on the main characters and yeah. the people around them. You see that they're people, but they kind of blur them out. Yeah. You get paid to be a blur. <laughs> so, so, so I, didn't, I, I don't, I, I didn't care for that too much with the background because you know I'm a Leo, I'm a Parker, and I like to be in front of the camera. So I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I, I like the background, but it's not fulfilling for me because it doesn't get me in front of the camera and really let people see what I can do as an as an actual actor. So it is really good for a lot of people because for some people that's how they pay their bills, right? They do background five, six days a week, and they rely on that as a source of income. Um, I could not do that because they just don't pay. <laughs> they don't pay. They don't pay. You can be on those sets most of the time, eight to ten, twelve hours. I've been on the set. I've been on the set of Gotham before for fourteen hours, and that fourteen hours of work translated into about two minutes on the actual screen once they went to production. So, so let me um, let me let me ask you this, or let me say this first. So, so uh, you know, one of the things I always talk about, um, I'm a, well, one of the things I've been recently talking about because uh, I'm I'm into trying to get uh, some passive income for myself. So I'm trying to take my my listeners on that journey and stuff, and offering up suggestions for things they can do. And one of the things I said, you know, on side gigs. Um, for, you know, so how do you invest where you got to get this money, blah, 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 you know, you got to do this stuff. Um, and I talk about the ideas for passive, uh, for, for extra income and passive income. And this seems like a good idea for extra income, um, uh, for you to do. But you, you, one of the things that you mentioned, um, was primary actors and background actors. And so, um, I, I, I wanted to ask you about, so how, how do you get to be, a speaking role speaking guy in a in a in a movie. How do you go from where you are uh mm-hmm. to not just talking to Morgan Freeman but to I mean in in the background uh, off 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 uh, camera but how do you get to talking to him on screen? Good good question. So the best way that I found it and you know, it's like anything. You gotta pay your dues. 
and, and I don't mean to sag dudes yet, but what I mean is you really have to be around people that this is what they do. And you have to, now, now the greatest thing about, one of the other greatest things about being in New York is another resource for us is there are so many schools in New York City. It's unbelievable. It's probably over 50 different schools or universities. And at least there's a handful of them that have theater and film departments. So one thing that I decided to do is kind of mix it up, do a little background, do a little this, do a little that, but also do some what they call student films. Okay. If you think about it, when you're a student, a lot of times you know how your student and your teacher will give you a project to do, and you have to present it to the class. But when you're in film school, your project may be, hey, we need you to do a short film, take so many of your other classmates, and have them do different parts of the crew. Like one person is your lighting, one person is your director of photography, one person is your grip person, one person is your producer, one person, you know, handles all of the sound. You know, we have that. So one person's holding the boom, and another person is doing the sti- uh, sticks, so they call the scene and, you know, call the camera and all that kind of stuff. And that's their project. Well, to make their project complete, they have to cast people in leading roles and in background roles. So I've done a handful of student films. Now, Brian, why do you do student films? Listen, these folks, I can understand why their tuition is so high. They give them some of the best in technology when it comes to cameras, sound, mixing boards, studios, and things like that. Um, they, they have some studio equipment that recording artists will break their left arms for. It is so good. And they're able, they're not able to pay you most of the time, mm-hmm. but they're able to give you something that's more valuable than money. And that's what we call a reel. And a reel is basically them being able to give you either the finished copy of their project or to give you cuts of different scenes that you're in. You, you ask how you get that casting director to see you in a lead role or a speaking role. Yeah. But it's, it's like when you go show a house. Okay. It's better to show a house when it's got furniture in it. It's better to show a house when <laughs> it's not totally naked because the whole idea is to get someone to be able to picture themselves in that house. And, it's, and even though they don't like that couch, it's easier for them to be able to see themselves in that house and go, you know what, I don't like that couch, but I can put this couch in there, and I would love the place, as opposed to it being there. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with your real. You want them to be able to go, man, I can see him in our next production. I love that role that he's playing. It gives them a way of actually being able to say, hey, can he deliver the lines? When you're doing background, you're not talking. Most of the time, they've already told you, okay, you're going to start at this point. You're going to end at this point. Wait two seconds and then cross back across the street. And that's all you're doing. You know, anybody could do that. But they want to see if we gave this person lines, can they memorize the lines? Can they deliver those lines? And can it be convincing? That's what they want to see. So when those students are able to hand you over a reel where it shows that you can do more than just crossing back and forth across the street, that's way more important than money. 
that's going to line you up for money down the road. So I've done a couple of the student films. There's also independent, you know, like people now do their own independent record labels and yeah. stuff like that. But there's a lot of independent filmmakers that they get discovered or what they'll do is they will do an independent film and then they will um, get it submitted to different film festivals. And a lot of times, some films that get to screen actually came through film festivals. Okay. Where somebody saw it and said, hey, I want to put this on Netflix. Or, hey, I want to take this and turn this into a feature film based off of this whole scenario. So a lot of times, if you're an independent filmmaker, you can get discovered that way, but you also need to bring in actors. But you know what your budget is going to be low, so you're not going to be able to offer a whole lot, if anything, other than the footage. Or you may do, you may trade headshots for the work. Okay, you come do this film for me, I'll you know, do a couple of different headshots for you. Send them to you digitally, and you can use those. So there's so many different ways that you get to network with these people. Um, that's really kind of the best way for you to transfer from doing just background work to actually getting in front of the camera. So now that really goes into um, are you just doing background work? Are you getting feature roles? And are you just getting feature roles or now are you getting what they call principal roles? And principal role is like a main character. Feature role is more to be more where you're going to be on camera for an extended amount of time. Yeah. Like I was on Madam Secretary in a feature role. So what that probably means, though, is that Madam Secretary won't use me for the rest of the season. So for someone that does background for a living, they don't want to be in a feature role because they don't want to not be able to be back on that show for the rest of the season. Okay. So, so for me, it's a way to be... So somebody can say, hey, what episode were you on? And they can actually say, yeah, I saw you instead of you slowing it down 18 times per Super slow, I promise you. Or if you look at his ears, you're going to tell us my ears. You know, something crazy. Yeah. Um, but on, on the feature roles, they won't have to do that because you're in such uh, close proximity to the principal character that you're going to get caught on the... Um, on the screen, and for me, but those are the moments that I'm actually um, more interested in and living for, and stuff like that. Hey, let me ask you a question. So you're an actor, mm-hmm. uh, yep. Jesse uh, Smollett. Because <laughs> you mentioned Empire's filmed in uh, New York. Is it Empire? Where you said Power? Empire. Empire. Empire's filmed there. And so your boy. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Power is filmed here. Empire is filmed in Chicago. Okay, Empire is filmed in Chicago. Empire is filmed in Chicago. And, uh, mm-hmm. so, but, but still, uh, uh, he's been, uh, pretty big in the news cycle here lately. And, uh, I actually mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, a couple podcasts ago, I'd heard some stuff and the, the story just didn't kind of line up. What, what do you, what do you, what do you think of that story? What, do, what is your, what is your actual opinion on that? Well, you know, First, when I heard the story, I had to hear it again because I was a little skeptical. Because I know, and, and you know, we both know Dubai, and know that Chicago can get real cold. And I heard you on the podcast before talking about having to go out to a subway at 11 o'clock at night because you was on your way, you're flying over. 
And I'm I'm still sitting here thinking, though, man, it's 10 degrees, it's a polar vortex. Why are you at 2 o'clock in the morning? And somebody just happened to know it was you. Now, all that had been proven one way or the other, but from the way it sounds, about somebody, now, yes, I'm an actor. And I know what actors that have not made it make. If you're a non-union actor, if you're a union actor, I know what they pay you for on set. Yeah. Anywhere between 165 to $200 is what you're normally paid as an actor on a show per, per sitting. They said that he wasn't happy with his salary. Now, I don't know if he thought he was Terrence Howard. <laughs> I don't know if he thought he was Taraj. I don't know who he think he is on the show. But, dude, but listen, they're paying you $65,000 an episode. Me being an actor, that if I go do background work and get $165 to stand on my feet for 10 hours, and you get to sit in the trailer most of that time until they call you out, because until they call the main actors out, normally they have stand-ins for the rehearsals and stuff. They only call them, uh, they call them uh, first team, which is your primary actors. Mm-hmm. First team to the set when they're ready to shoot. And then they're just setting up the cameras and getting the right lighting and the right lens and everything else. They have second team come in, which is somebody that might be your height, your complexion, but it ain't you. You're sitting in the trailer until they call you. And you're making $65,000 an episode on a show that does 18 episodes. Do the math. Man. Now, we're not happy about your salary and there's people doing what you do that make less than $200 in a day and you're making what a lot of people don't even make in a year in one episode? Huh? <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, and again, you're not serious Howard. Yeah, you know, not yeah, yeah, like, yeah, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, dude, they could cut you out and keep going and never even remember you. Like, really? Oh, you grand? I mean, I would take that money and keep my damn mouth shut. Well, you, you and so when they said when they said that was the motivation, I'm just sitting there thinking, well, then anything that they can throw at him, they need to throw at him because that's just plain stupid. It is. It's just stupid. And the irreversible damage that he's done to anybody in the LGBTQ community, anybody that uh, is a victim of violence, anybody that sits there and says, hey, I don't want to report something because nobody's going to believe me. He just set all of that back. But is that, is that really fair, though? Is that fair? And the, and the reason I asked that, and I'm glad you said that, is it fair because he's not the only person <laughs> to, to have uh, made a story up. I mean, we're both from North Carolina. Yeah, but, but Jay, in all honesty, though, how much media attention has he got? Well, you're right. There may be 10, 20 other people that are not known, never heard of, but do the same thing. But they don't, they're not on CNN, MSNBC, NBC, Fox News, all these other little conspiracy things. And you already got a racist in chief in the White House that will comment about that, but you got somebody in the, uh, in, in the military that's about to 
do some carnage on some people and won't say a word about that. Because you know why? Because they called them a terrorist and a law wouldn't have stopped them from coming. So it's polarizing when somebody of Jesse's cool does that versus somebody that you've never heard of. Well, like I say, I, I just, uh, I guess my take on it is, is that, you know, and for me, um, like Ryan Rochette, uh, was down and representing the U.S. and he said some guys jumped him when he was in the Olympics and, you know, he lied about that. Susan Smith, like I say, we're Carolina boys. Susan Smith down in South Carolina, uh, claimed a black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it, he's not the, you know, so, and I guess is what I'm just curious. And even like Barbecue Becky, who call, who, and people who call, the police on African Americans for just living, uh, you know. I think the list is the list includes things like sleeping, uh, yeah. <laughs> get uh, selling yeah. water, uh, barbecuing, uh, well, mowing I mean, grass. Going to call the police on the two guys uh, at the Starbucks. All yeah. those things are yeah, bad. Yeah, getting called. It wasn't like got, it wasn't like barbecue Becky. I'm not defending her because she's wrong. Or the person in uh, Philadelphia who won't wear a MAGA hat. Well, hey, look, I think, first of all, I want to give Jesse a shout out because, uh, he cast two black people in a role traditionally played by white people. And I just think that the, I, I just think that that was a brave casting call right there. I just, I just do. I think that, uh, his foresight to see past, he's like, why did they have to, and I think that right there was, you know, cause we talk, you, you, you kind of break up some things and stuff, and, but yeah, I think that in the climate that we live in right now, where there's a lot of racial tension, he said, it ain't gotta be white people. They can be too big, big black to Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad he understands that, you know, it, it can be any color, but I mean, he really, he really put a damper on things because it's that one person that's sitting there going, see, I knew it. And there's always going to be those people. Whether Jesse did what he did, the people that wear the MAGA hats were already going to feel some kind of way. All he did, though, was just he did. reinforce. He, reinforce. He, well, he, he did. I, I guess I, I guess the, the thing that I will, I will chop up on for... Um, for Jesse and that whole situation is, is that for people, that's the reason I bring up the other examples and stuff. Um, number one, people here that only want to listen to the things that they believe. No one wants to listen yeah. to the things they don't believe. And so for the people yeah. who don't believe that it's a problem, this is just an example of that. For the people who know it's a problem, it's, it's, it just makes it harder for them to get the message out and stuff. So, yeah, sorry about that. You know, we talk about actors and stuff. I thought I'd ask your opinion about that. You know, you'd no, be, no, I mean, you'd be, I, you know, you, you know, there's always, you know, I, I, I wish people would understand that there's bad everywhere. There's not a profession that makes you immune to things. So whether it's a bad actor, whether it's a bad person in the military, hello, whether it's a bad police officer, doesn't mean they're all bad, but doesn't mean they're all good. Okay. So yeah. there's bad teachers. There's, you know, there's all of these uh, different professions where you got bad people, but, you know, certain people want to believe that certain professions get a pass, and that's just simply not true. And there's too many examples out there every time that you want to think that or believe that, that you're going to be proven to be wrong. So, well, um, I mean, Jesse's, you know... Jesse represents Jesse. That's all I say with that. There you go. There you go. And speaking of professions, being bad person that just happened to be an actor. Yeah. Speaking speaking of uh, speaking of professions and stuff. So I, I I hit off the the top of the the podcast 
and I talked mm-hmm. about your uh, your experience in management right now. So where are you working right now um, in hotels? I am at the Red Roof Plus. Um, it is um, the Upper Tiley Hotel in Westbury, which people don't know Westbury is. It's on Long Island here in New York. So it is about 30 minutes east of New York City. Okay. And you're the general manager there? I am. Okay. And this is not your first gig as being a general manager. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, man. Uh, this is like, uh, this is just uh, part of my life. You know, I've been in the hotel industry since I was 17 years old. So, seven, seven, so what, at 17 years old, what were you doing at hotels? You know, it's funny because, <laughs> it's funny. I was the kid. I was the young person. I was the, you know, the one that still had the Similac on my mouth and everything. And I started out in hotels as a uh, houseman. And what that entailed was uh, you cleaned up, you swept, you mopped, you uh, picked up in the parking lot. You cut, back then, you cut the grass. A lot of hotels back then didn't have landscapers. The landscaper was the houseman or the maintenance guy. So I did that and cleaned the so is, is, is houseman the same as the maintenance guy? Is that a step up or step down from the maintenance well, guy? Well, it, it depends. <laughs> on what kind of hotel you're at. If you're at a small one like I was at, it was like you were both because you pretty much had to be handy okay. at any of the really, really complex things. You might have to call in like a area guy that maybe oversees a lot of different properties and you'll be like, hey, I got this this wrong. Okay, just put that one out of order. I'll be there on Tuesday. You know, that kind of thing. But then other little things like anything electrical, plumbing, Things like that, I had to kind of tinker with and figure out myself. Okay. Um, so you start off as a houseman. The, the, the bigger the hotel is, they kind of divide that out a little bit more because they make a lot more money. But you, so you started a small hotel, 17 years old. You are cutting grass, sweeping, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. doing a little bit of maintenance, uh, some mm-hmm. some plumbing in there, uh, maintaining the pool. You were pool boy? Mm-hmm. Pool boy Makes stuff? Yo, yo, the, the thing I tell people, and, and people can't even fathom this now, um, I, I had to uh, cut keys. Oh, and yeah, yeah, And most people now, most people that's listening to this podcast probably, I'm not going to say all of them, but probably haven't really ever had to put a key in a door at a hotel. Yeah. Normally it's a plastic card or, you know, now at my hotel we just got the brand new RFID chips, so you just put the key in front of the lock and it'll unlock. Yeah. No, 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 no. I had to go into the shop and take some metal keys and actually cut the keys for the room and then stencil the room number on the key with a hammer. <laughs> so when I tell people I go back, I go way back. You go way, you go way back at hotels. Way back I, at hotels. I go back, I, I go back to writing reservations on three by five index cards. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, no, com- I, I no, compute, no, computer, no computers. No computers to help there you out. There were no, no computers at all. Everything was done on a, a cash register micro machine. So, um, but you know, you know, what I tell people is that that for me was everything because I'm a very inquisitive person. It doesn't do me enough for you just to tell me what to do. I got to know why. 
Okay. but why did, why does that have to be done that way? Why does that have to be done in that order and when I do that, why does it make this one that? I gotta ask those questions so that I have a better understanding of what it is I'm doing. So you you you're just curious you're just curious guy in the hotel business and stuff. So what did your what 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 your curiosity led you through some other jobs in the hotel? What so what else did you do on your way? So you start as a houseman and then uh-huh. you worked your way up. How did you, what, what else, what are the jobs did you do? Well, within a year and a half, I ended up being the assistant manager of that hotel. So, um, by, so for a, a year and a half, 17 years old, so you're 18, yeah. maybe 19 at yeah. this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and you're the assistant manager, so you went from sweeping <laughs> and cutting keys to, how did you do that? Tell somebody to go sweep and cut keys. <laughs> yeah, go tell somebody else to go sweep and cut keys. I need to hire somebody to cut these keys because I'm not doing it no more. Yeah. So what what was the journey yeah. like from there? Because you, you talk about your curiosity and stuff, and I need to know why. So you were asking questions, you, know, you were doing things. It's all about it's all about being hungry. You know, I was always hunger hungry for knowledge because you know my dad taught me, and I, and I talk about him like he wasn't your dad too. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I know that guy. <laughs> but now he taught me though that listen. You know, they can take everything away from you, but they can never take away what you know. Your knowledge is always going to be something you take with you from one place to another. And I was always hungry for knowledge. Like, so after I moved from the house, then I wanted to say, okay, I want to move inside. I want to see how everything works. I want the bigger picture. I know the whole idea of a hotel isn't just have somebody clean, mop, and, you know, do all that stuff. What other things play into how this whole operation works? It's like when you really do it with your hands, and instead of just looking at a car, you look at it as, hey, I want to take this thing apart and see if I can put it back together so I know all the inner workings of it. I had that same kind of curiosity with hotels. I wanted to be able to take it apart and kind of put it back together and see all the inner workings of it. So I quickly moved to the front office. Um, I absorbed everything. And the more stuff I absorbed, Thankfully, I was around people that were like, hey, I see that you have a thirst for this knowledge. And even though it isn't, per se, your job to do this and this, I'm going to give it to you and see what you can do with it. And I would do it. I would catch on. And they kept propelling me and propelling me. And I ended up leaving that hotel, went uh, to work for Marriott for some years. But, excuse me, I um, wanted to kind of work with a company that, I knew that had a lot more opportunity uh-huh. um, because the only downfall of the one I started with was it was an independent. There weren't really that many other ones like it. So if I wanted to grow, I knew eventually I was going to have to leave. But when I left, I was going to have to, in a lot of ways, prove myself all over again. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing about us Leos is we know how good we are. So we like, well, you can put me in the mayor room and in, in 10 months, I'm going to be somebody's supervisor. That's just how we roll. So and they put me on the front desk. So, and you know, you know the story of that hotel. They put me on that front desk and the general manager went out on the emergency maternity leave and they didn't have any, um, managers to send to watch the property while she was out. And they took a chance and let this, um, God, how old was I then? 20, 20, 21? year old run the whole hotel while she was out. Um, and that 
propelled me into Marriott's world because my name really then got on the radar and sprung me around the Marriott and uh, just kept on going, you know. So I'll make a statement and I'll ask a question. So my statement is I always tell people in conversations that when you're doing stuff, you got to have an advocate. No matter how great or through your thirst and stuff, there's got to be that one person that signs that sees something yeah. in you and kind of yeah. allows you those opportunities and stuff. So it's good to have an advocate and stuff. So I, I, I assume, and, uh, and your situation is a little bit different in the second half. I think you had an advocate at the first hotel who saw that for you uh, in uh, Maryland. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she uh, she saw that in you, but the second time you kind of just took uh, advantage of opportunity, which is kind of the second thing you got to do. Um, so you're 20 years old, and uh, well, starting off around 19 years old as assistant manager, and then you start mm-hmm. back over at Marriott and you work your way back up into management and stuff. Um, like I say, so for about 25 years, you've been yeah. managing. Properties. Yeah. What's what's the largest property you've ever managed, like room wise? Because I don't know. If... Oh man, four hundred and ninety rooms. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, over over a span of twenty three acres, and that was. And, and and it's funny to say that when we talk about twenty three acres, you're like, man, you must have been out in the middle of nowhere. No, I was in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> but, but you think Myrtle Beach are stacked on top of each other and, you know, to have 23 acres for one property is unheard of. But um, I was at a beach resort on Ocean Boulevard in um, Myrtle Beach and we had 495 rooms, uh, 30,000 foot conference center and uh, campground, cup-up course, fishing pier. Oh man, that was all. That was that was all of your uh, your control. So, like, say, so you. So when we talk about, and like, say, I I love talking about leadership and management stuff like that. And you've been uh-huh. doing it for a long time. So, um, do you have like your top three keys for success? For you know, as as a leader, or you know, just some leadership uh, gems that we can have. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. You know. I think one of my first things is, as a manager, be relatable. You know, people are already intimidated by the fact that you're their boss. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's kind of like a parent that you, you have to be careful because you don't want to be that parent if you're so cool with your kid, they don't re- recognize you being their parent and being a person of authority. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not, 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 not that be their friend. But being that parent to go, you know, I remember being a kid. I remember the peer pressure. I remember, you know, being awkward in my own skin and insecure about things and things like that. Be relatable. So when you're a manager, understand the things that your folks are going through. So when I'm looking at somebody at my hotel and they're up at the front desk, do I remember what it was like when somebody would throw a key at me? Do I remember what it was like when somebody would call me every name but the one my mama gave me? Absolutely. Do I understand that stress or do I understand how sometimes it would just be great if my boss just came up to me and said, hey, I appreciate you. Not they got to give me anything. They don't have to buy me lunch. Not asking them to cover my shift. But are they being relatable? You know, when, when, you're, when you're relatable and people know that you have their genuine interest at heart, 
they will run through a wall for you. If you ask people to do certain things, a lot of times because they believe that you mean the best for them, they will do almost anything you ask them to do. That's awesome. Because they trust, because they trust you. That's awesome. So number um, number one, be relatable. What's your what's your number be two? Re- be relatable. Um, you know, the other thing is be adaptable. Okay, and, I like that. And, 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 and you got to be able. There's nothing wrong with saying this is what I believe in, and I'm not going to bend from that. But that doesn't mean that you can't approach it from a different way. And the one thing that I do know is, even though people are pretty much the same through all the 27 years that I've been working with people, people change. I remember uh, when people would call you to say, hey, boss, I can't make it into work today. You know? Nobody uses the phone anymore. Not to text you. And for me, it took me a while to kind of kind of deal with that because I'm like, why don't you just pick up the phone and call? And, I, and you know what's funny? I realized that people don't pick up phones and call. Yeah, just just not the way that the world is working anymore. So you most have to adapt to that. Most people, you know, and I had to learn that really, really fast because, you know, a quick point, you know, I had to start teaching a lot of my friends, best people, how to actually answer the phone, how to do reservations, how to uh, project their body language over the phone. And you know why? Because most of these same people do not use their phones for that outside of their job. Everything is an emoji. Everything is uh, LOLs, and if I'm yelling at you, it's in all caps, and all that kind of stuff. You know, that when I was coming up, they didn't teach you any much like that. Like, well, if you're really angry with them, then just put everything in all capital letters. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was a different time, so you got to be able to adapt to the time so you can stay relevant. And again, then you can be relatable. You got to be relevant and be able to translate that and make it relatable to your audience. Man, I... you can't be. You know, it kind of reminds me of sports, and I and I tie a lot of stuff to sports when you're dealing with a coach that says, "Okay, we're going to be a running team." We're going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, but you got one problem. You don't have no running back. But you're still trying to implement your game plan with a team that is not designed for it. So you got to be able to adapt to what you have and get the most out of it. Okay, so you we, we got be relatable, be adaptable. Yep. And, and, one, and, and one quick, I'm going to tell a quick uh, thing because uh, I, you said something because um, – me and our mutual friend, uh, Devona, were having this conversation one day about how people don't talk on the phone anymore. Uh-huh. And that, that very thing, it rings so true and stuff. And so you, there's different things you just can't do now that you yeah. used to do when people talked on the phone. And actually, one of the things I remember from you was I remember listening to you be on the phone one time and you were like, Hey, are you near a closet? And the person on the other end was like, well, yeah, well, hold on a second. Yeah. Hold on a second. And they, and evidently they walked up to the closet and said, well, well, what? And you said, well, hang this up. And you hung up the phone with all of this stuff. So they're just things you can't do no more that you used to do. I had to tell that one because I just thought, I, I think about that every time. And it's, and it really is a, it is now a, a error kind of thing because that don't mean nothing to nobody now. Like you couldn't even do that now. Can you do that? But no, we, so you gotta be here. There's, there's a lot of things we used to do that you can't You do. just can't do no more. Uh, we can't do no more. So we, we gotta be, we gotta be relatable, be adaptable. You got one more for me? 
Awesome, man. Look, man, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a little bit, uh, and then I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna wrap it up and let you go, because um, we're, we're hitting that, we're hitting that hour mark now. But hey, man, when you come wow. back, North, when, when you come back, North Carolina, and when you do, can I sell your house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> hey, hey, I love, I love uh, New York a little bit too much right now, man. Okay, my, okay. My, 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 so what's housing like, you know, because, I mean, people who are new to the podcast might not know this, but I am a real, licensed real estate agent in the, in the state of North Carolina, and when I get back home, I'll make sure I'm licensed in the state of South Carolina, too. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I, I've been talking about property and, you know, why it's a good way to passive income, uh, you know, this and this and this and this. Uh, what's prices look like in New York City for uh, for homes and stuff? Just for apartments, what's, what's it up and look like? Man, you know, it's crazy. It, it depends. If you're in the five boroughs of New York City, if you pay fifteen to $2,100 a month for a one-bedroom, one-bath, you got a good deal. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Most two-bed, two-baths are going to 
run you anywhere from uh, $2,000 to $3,500 a month easily. And that's not all the bells and whistles. That's just probably somewhere you're not going to have to wear Kevlar. Um, <laughs> 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 well, I mean, hey, be honest. Now, now, now don't get me wrong. New York is, New York is a different... Um, a different element. You know, in Charlotte, for instance, very different areas in Charlotte where you say, well, and I'm not going to call them out on the podcast, but you know who you are. If you go to certain parts of Charlotte, you already know that's the project. But in New York City, they, they kind of like basically dip it through everywhere. So you could be in a nice neighborhood and you walk two blocks down the street and it gets really dark, even at like noon. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, where am I? So it kind of depends. Like, like you know, you know, I live. I live outside of Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, yeah. You you literally walk off the Brooklyn Bridge into Manhattan, and I mean, you look to your right, and the project's right there. So, and but if you look in front of you, there's City Hall. So, you know, well, that, so- uh, real estate, real estate in New York City is it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people to live. Um. There's a lot of affordable housing that folks have to get themselves into, but a lot of these skyscrapers with these three million, five million dollar apartments are pretty much made for um, international people to come in. They rent up all these places and things like that. So, um, so one of the things uh, I actually kind of get a little bit. So I'm, I'm talking about buying houses and stuff. And uh, using passive income, and uh, I'm talking about housing prices and stuff. And people are like, "Well, um, I, I live in California, or I live in New York, uh-huh. and the housing's not like that, you know." So that's crazy. That doesn't work for me. But you know what does work for you? You happen to have a friend in North Carolina, and um, right outside of Charlotte, Kannapolis. Um, uh, I was actually because I'm I'm looking to buy my my first uh, investment property, and mm. you can find one for sixty thousand dollars. Nice. Um, Man. Two, two, so, 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 you mean, so you mean Jesse Smollett can lend you one of his episode paychecks? Yes, uh, for one of his episode <laughs> paychecks, he can outright buy a house in Kannapolis. Outright buy one in Kannapolis, and uh, so the other thing that I'm kicking off this year. Is that my, um, when I get back to Charlotte, my, uh, LLC, my property management LLC will be up. So here's what you get from me. And this is a shameless uh-huh. plug, but it's my show. So I'm going for it right now. Uh, so yeah, for yeah. like, for like my big brother. So I convinced my big brother that eventually he might want to retire back to North Carolina after his acting days of doing stuff, you know, small little place stuff. And he <laughs> says to me, I don't know, man. I don't know. But one of the things that you can do is you can call me and say, Hey, Jermaine, I like this idea. You, will you do, will you help me find a place that I can invest in? And my answer is always going to be yes, 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 yes. So what you're looking for for a rental just to break down some of the stuff. So if you're looking at a $60,000 property uh 20 down you're looking at twelve thousand dollars that you need to put down uh for that rental and um and there's a couple ways that you can look at it you can save that money um we can talk about the passive income or the active income that we uh we talk like so maybe you want to do a little acting on the side to get that income however you get it or you can take out a small business loan because this is going to be an investment for you it's going to be a business and you take that twelve thousand dollars and we get you that house and stuff and you give it to my property rent my uh, property management uh, company and we get you some renters in there. So for a sixty thousand, and so the other thing too, guys, if if you if you 
if you really got some questions about real estate and stuff, I actually because I am part of Keller Williams and Keller Williams is one of the is the top rated um real estate firm out there right now. I actually have a personalized app. I can DM it to you. You can get it off my Twitter. Um just look for our Parker Bro or you can look for main event. And uh but on that uh on that app you can look at some of the areas that I'm talking about. You can look at Kannapolis, like I told you, look at Kannapolis, or you can look uh, somewhere somewhere close by. But there's also a mortgage calculator on there. Hmm. Uh, it's got a lot of neat little tools on there, not just for looking at um, where property is. And, it, and, and let's say that you don't want to buy a property from me or you don't want to have property out of state that you can't, you know, say, well, hey, man, I, I appreciate that, but I um, – I'd, I'd rather just uh, uh, not do that, but uh, so you want to look in your area for property and stuff. It's good for that too, and it's free. It's a free app. Doesn't do anything. We're not tracing anything. But if you ever need me, you can use that app, and I'll be right there for you. So, so what? Uh, what I want to tell you for the investment thing part is, is that, so let's say that you find that six thousand dollars house, you put twelve thousand dollars, twelve thousand dollars, thousand thousand dollars on. I don't know why I'm having so much trouble with that right now. Uh, probably because I'm so ex- probably because I'm so excited about these numbers and stuff. So, and that's for either a two bedroom or uh, two bedroom one bath, three bedroom bath. I've looked around, like I say, download the app. You look, look for yourself. Don't believe me. Don't believe Jermaine. I'm trying to give you this. Ask me. I will text you the app. Um, but when you go to finance that on a 15 year, 15 year at 5%, you're looking at about $380 a month for a house payment. You're going to be renting that house out for $800 a month. What I'm trying to tell you is that you're going to have $400 of positive cash flow off that investment. That's what I'm trying to wow. tell you. You can easily rent that out for $800. You're going to get your positive cash flow of $400 a month. That's 48. And then you escrow, then you escrow some of that for maintenance and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, because you're going to be out of state, so you, you want me to handle that for you. So I'm going to take my property management fee. We're going to do that. Uh, but as a good property manager, what I'm also going to tell you is, hey, man, you need to put some money aside for repairs. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, so because things break, everything breaks in the house and stuff. So we're going to put some money aside for repairs and stuff. But believe me, you're still going to be making a profit. Think of it this way. Let's think of it like this. So we're talking about a 15-year loan. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to be a very aggressive property manager. And you're in your place, is good. your place may be open for a month or two. You may have that, so you need to put some, some money aside for that $400 mortgage, uh, too. Uh, a percentage, I would say 10% for, uh, repairs 10% for, um, um, for your, um, vacancy and stuff. Um, so what you're, what you're talking about, $30, $30, you know what I mean? I mean, or $40, $40. Um, so $80. Well, Lebron, you need to, uh, come get a few brownstones up here too and do the same thing. Uh, we're gonna work our way up there. Absolutely. We're yeah. gonna work our way up there yeah. when we start buying property. We're gonna start, we start right. flipping them stuff. But, um, so right now, if you think about that, so you bought a property at $60,000 right now. If it has some good, let's say it's like 3% inflation, yearly inflation and stuff. Let's say that that property ends up in 15 years being worth close to 90000 maybe maybe $100,000. 
and you didn't really pay the mortgage on that thing, when you go to sell it, guess what you got? You spent $12,000, and you're going to get a return of around $100,000. Wow. So um, just some things to think about, just some quick math out there. If it don't sound right to you, uh, holler at me, and <laughs> I'll, 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 let you, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And like I say, uh, absolutely, uh, I'm starting. I'm trying to start off with my first one. Um, and I'm going to be kind of transparent and open about my journey, about my, my pitfalls and, uh, and, and how we're doing this stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm going to be a trusted real estate agent, just like I'm your trusted man for the podcast. Hey man, before we get out of here, you got any shout outs, anything, anybody you want to say hello to, uh, love yous, uh, anything that you're working on, anything we can see you in? Well, let's see, let's see, shout outs real quick. Uh, just, uh, celebrated two year anniversary with my wife, Lori. Make sure I got the name right. Yeah, Lori. Yes, happy anniversary, uh, Lori. Yeah. Hi, Mom. I know she's probably going to be listening at some point. Yes, and I wanted uh, to, earlier yeah. when we were talking about the toys and stuff and the creativity and stuff, Mom, I love my life and my, uh, and my childhood. There was no offense. It was just a joke. We just, we just, just joking. It's for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. <laughs> and then my two girls, the Lexus and Faith. And, uh, as far as, uh, where to catch me right now, I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing a web series. Okay. Um, that is uh, easy to find on YouTube. It's uh, make sure uh, it's, it's age appropriate, uh, so that kids don't need to be in the room. But the web series is called "Never Play the Victim." Uh, kind of grimy, New Yorkish uh, web series. Um, and then anything else, uh, I always post all my links and stuff on my web page, which is really easy. It's uh, brianaparker.com. It does look like Brianna, but it is Brian A. <laughs> um, but that's, that's how you can find me and see what I got going on and uh, what, what I'm cooking in the sauce and everything, man. But, yeah. Okay. Well, awesome, man. I'll link the, uh, I'll link, I'll link your website. And since it's got all your listeners there, yo, go check him out on his website, man. Um, he's not just my big brother, but he's been a very, very special guest for us on the podcast today. Hey, much love. Thank you very much, Brian, for coming through, man. Thank you. Thank you. Man, thanks for having me, man. Anytime you want, want to talk some politics or some sports or, you know, we, uh, uh, relationships, because since I'm on my third marriage, I think I about got it right now. Hey, absolutely, absolutely. I think you, I think you, I think you, t- I think you tuned it up right just way. right. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, listen, everybody. Thank you again for coming out to the podcast and listening again. I'm your boy Jermaine Parker. This has been the main event podcast. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. Love you all. Check me out on iTunes, www.themaineventpodcast.com. Let's get it. Listening to the main event.